coming at you with another episode of Wizards After Dark. I'm Fred Katz. I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. I'm also the host of Wizards After Dark. And uh, I've got Ben Standing from NBC Sports Washington on the other Skype line. And Ben and I, in honor of this game, which we just watched, I'm in Houston, Ben's in D.C., the Rockets just beat the Wizards 136-118 to 118 and made an NBA record 26 three-pointers on the night. They went 26 for 55 from three. In honor of the game that we watched, Ben and I have done no preparation for this podcast, so congrats to you. Uh, I, I, I am, not only have I done no preparation, I'm not going to move my feet the entire podcast. <laughs> so there's one play tonight which uh, just encapsulates this performance to me. By the way, after the game, let me call up the exact quotes. Because we've already got game two for Trevor Ariza. It's like been 30 hours since Trevor Ariza played his first game as a Washington Wizard. And Trevor Ariza is always being like, is already saying like, yeah, the effort is the problem. So we got Trevor Ariza after the game saying, we lacked effort a lot. That's what I noticed so far. For a second straight game, Bradley Beal said the same thing. There's a play in this game where Trevor Ariza picks off a pass and starts going on the break. It ends up being a one-on-two fast break because the Wizards don't run back with him. Chris Paul ends up swiping the ball away from Ariza. Ariza thinks he got fouled, falls down. Bradley Beal runs back to pick him up, even though nobody actually ran back on the break. And the Rockets end up with a five-on-three and get a wide-open corner three. Somehow the Wizards managed to not run back on offense and not run not run back on defense on the ensuing possessions. It was amazing. Yeah, that was that was a that was a special one. I, 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 I thought Ariza was going to. I heard himself on that play. He took like a awkward landing. I think if, if that was the right one. Uh, you know, I am um, I am not good when it comes to uh, clipping off video watching a game. I honestly, I, I, I everybody who's really good at. Uh, Taking video and putting it online, I, I to me they might as well be like David Copperfield, if that or uh, you know like I don't even know how I don't even know how people can do that, but everybody likes to do that, and then they all like to send videos of like somebody on the Wizards not moving on offense or defense and like sending them my way on Twitter at Ben Standing. I encourage more of that; it's fun. Then I don't know how to do it, and I got a few tonight of like either Markeith or John in particular, Markeith Morris or John Wall in particular, just not moving. There was one where. Uh, on defense, like, I uh, forget who it was on, on Houston. Uh, somebody's just standing on the wing. They pass it to the top, and then they just pass it back, and the guy shoots a three, like, wide open by five feet. John is standing there. He wasn't fooled. He wasn't, like, out of position. He literally was just, like, three feet away and just didn't move. And then defensively, there were times where Marquise Morris is just completely just stuck uh, as, as a guy runs by him. It It, 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 it is, like, I, look, losing happens, and, and – you know, you can't win every game and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But, like, the the lack of consistent effort is really just uh, tough to watch. I mean, and obviously you mentioned uh, Trevor Reza noting that two games in to his uh, Wizards 2.0 career. I, I don't know what to say. I mean, if Scott Brooks isn't going to come out and just sort of blast somebody, then I, I – like, I can't – can you imagine – how much money if I said to you, you can go into the athletics budget – and and write a blank check. How much money would you take to go in, to be able to buy a seat in one of these film sessions when the plays comes up where nobody's moving? 
Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, like, I don't think Scott Brooks is necessarily handling all of these effort plays the same way privately that he is publicly. I think sure. Scott, for the most part, has a philosophy, which is pretty common, that he was going to blast the guy. He's not going to do it to the me- through the media. He's going to sure. do it privately, and that's the way that he's going to do it. And I do know of circumstances in which he has called out certain players on the team. I don't think he's doing it as much with John as he's doing it with other guys. But I do know of circumstances where he's called guys out, and I'm sure you do as well. Uh, I don't think a coach necessarily needs to call out guys to the media in order to seem like he's coming down with a firm hand or seem like he's doing something or anything like that. Like I, I acknowledge and I think everybody in the media and the public and the fans and all that should acknowledge that media and public interactions are not necessarily indicative of how things are going privately. But that being said, Scott Brooks talked after this game about how they made a lot of tough shots. And I, I'm going to go back. I'm going to watch all 55 threes that Houston took. And Houston takes a lot of threes. To me, the bigger issue here is not that Houston made 26 threes. Obviously, they were hot. There's no question they were hot. They shot 26 of 55 from three. It's ridiculous. That's more threes than anybody has ever made in an NBA game. But that being said, to me, the bigger issue is they give up 55 threes. Yeah, Houston takes a lot of threes. How many threes does Houston take a game? Like 40-ish, 41, 42? Their three-point attempts are about even with where they were last year, last time I checked. And I think they're somewhere around 40. You're giving up 55 threes. That's because you're not closing out. It's because you're not, uh, in this case, you're not running. They got pulverized on a lot of switches. And and not necessarily just because, like, Thomas Bryant got his ankles broken or whatever. Like, those things are going to happen against the Rockets. Chris Paul, James Harden, those guys are going to square up when they go up against secondary defenders, not necessarily the Trevor Ariza or the Bradley Beals, who are their primary assignments. But there are certain possessions where after switches, they're not communicating. They're not zeroing in on the right guys. Uh, they're not recovering. They're not helping. You need to do that in order to be effective against an offense this good and is effective against a player as good as James Harden. And he's just going to pulverize you if you don't. And and that happened. I mean, Harden, what was Harden's line tonight? Harden was actually wasn't as good as the one when he went for 50, whatever it was, in uh, the first time these two teams played this year. But Harden went for 35 30. points on 18 shots, 6 of 11 from 3. He had 9 assists. He was great. Chris Paul was great tonight, too. Chris Paul has not had a good year by his standards, and Chris Paul was great tonight. He had five threes, and he had 21 on 11 shots. And, like, you just go through the lineup, and it's just like Eric Gordon had four threes, and P.J. Tucker had three threes, and Chris Paul had five, and Harden had six, and Daniel House had two, and Joe Green had four, and Derek Clark had one, and Michael Carter-Williams had the record breaker, which is just great. Like, all these guys are getting this because of the lack of help. Of all the people that set the record, the guy who might be one of the worst shooters in the league, um, yeah, no, it's crazy. And by the way, just to sort of go back to one thing, because it's just, uh, and you're correct in terms of the idea of Brooks is not a guy who comes out publicly and says much, and it doesn't make, or it doesn't rip the players publicly. And, and, um, uh, a lot of coaches don't, don't pull that. The, th- you know, we all get these weird things stuck in our head. Something that stays, like if you and I, if somebody said to you and I, you know, give me the five, keys or the five things that happened to this year that you found curious, not necessarily the, the biggest moments, but the five things that sort of stood out to you, I bet you and I would probably come up with different things because, you know, you come out with different ways or you just, you know, remember certain things. And what, what has stuck to me all year, and I think you caught it at the same time too, the second game of the season, Scott Brooks is asked, how come Otto Porter is not getting enough shots? And he 
calls him out not once but multiple times in the press conference saying he needs to run harder, he needs to go be more aggressive. And I think both you and I, if I recall, went back and watched the tape and were not, at least I don't think I was, I don't think you were either, like looking at it going, uh, I don't know, looks fairly normal. I mean, certainly not enough to in the second game of the year. Yeah, if I, if I recall, he said he wasn't running back in transition, right? And I went back and I looked at all of his, what were marked as transition defense plays on Synergy. And if I recall, he had 16 transition defense plays. And by my totally unscientific measure, he ran hard on 13 of them. And on, on like 12 of them, he was one of the first two guys back on defense. Right, and so that has stuck to me all year because okay, maybe this is a new, maybe this is new, maybe Scott Brooks is going to be old guys more accountable. But okay, so fine. He, that was pretty much one of the only times all year he's really done that by name. And yet, again, I'm not trying to blast anybody in particular, but you watch again. You just go on Twitter, look up the highlights. John Wall in particular standing on both on one end of the court or the other. I mean, what's the stat? He, you know, John Wall is like has like one of the slowest uh, average miles per hour in the league, despite being the fast, arguably the fastest guy in the league. And yet Scott Brooks doesn't say anything. So that's what I just kind of keep going back to in my own head of like, all right, well, whatever he's saying privately, he hasn't said publicly, even though he's already done that to one of the other leaders of the team. And that's just something that it's just in my head. And that just always makes me think, all right, I guess he's not going to say anything. And I've asked him a couple times in press conferences, hey, uh, you know, John Wall doesn't seem like he has the same spark. I did that. Brooks said I did, he, that he disagreed. The other night after the Lakers game, I said, you just got this great effort from Wall. The energy, how do you get keep that sustained? And he says, hey, he's the, you know, he's the key. We need that from him and Bradley B all the time, which is the obvious answer. But then, you know, I, like I said, I'm not saying necessarily calling him out publicly or any of the players is the way to go. But it just, I don't know, it just seems kind of weird on some level that, that it just doesn't happen, especially since something triggered him game two uh, to, to do that a little bit. It is. It is. And it, it, it's unfortunate for them that we're talking about this 32 games into the season. And uh, Bradley Beal made a plea tonight to stop comparing this team to previous Wizards team, which I think is totally fair. He said it's a different team. It's a different roster. It's a different year, all that. And that's fair. And you know what? He's even right. And all that being said, I'm going to make a comparison because uh, so many people, other people, have compared this start to the start in 2016-17 when they won 49 games and they came a game away from the Eastern Conference Finals and they started uh, 2-8 and eight and then 6-12 and 12, and this team started 2-9 and nine, and I believe they were 6-12 and 12 as well. And that team, and this is a benchmark that Scott Brooks has thrown out, that John Wall has thrown out, which is why I'm making it. They said they... They got to 16 and 16. Right now we're 32 games into the season, and this team's not 16 and 16. It's it's 12 and 20. And in this kind of heating up stretch, and if you were with me, you'd see I'm putting heating up in air quotes. <laughs> in this heating up stretch since the 2 and 9 start, they're 10 and 11. This isn't a heating up stretch. I mean, they they had a nice run where they won 9 of 14. They they didn't really beat any good teams. They They beat the Clippers. They beat the Pelicans. The Pelicans are under 500 now, and they didn't have Anthony Davis. They beat the Clippers, but the Clippers have really been reeling lately, and they were also on the second night of a back-to-back on the road on the other side of the country. Uh, you know, they haven't had, like, a good win during this stretch without a caveat, uh, except for maybe the Lakers game. But even the Lakers, second night of a back-to-back. But maybe they just killed them so much, and they played so well in that one that's like, okay, 
that was still a good win, which is fair, even if it was a schedule loss for the Lakers. They played well enough as a team to have it happen. And it's like, you know, so much of them is just they, they go as John Wall goes. I think you agree with that. And Wall tonight had 18 and 12, but he just – the ball was slipping out of his hands the whole night. Defensively, he wasn't there, and he was as much of a reason as anybody for the 26 threes. Um, it's just the inconsistency. Some nights they look so good against the Lakers, and it's like, okay, maybe there's something. You know, if if you weren't familiar with the themes of this team and you weren't familiar with thinking of, okay, maybe there's something so many times, then maybe you would have thought it again. Uh, but it's just not a – it's just not showing. Like, they're 10 and 11 since the 2 and 9 stretch. That's not a turnaround. That's just, you know, evening out to being a, uh, you know, 380 team instead of a 200 team. Yeah. No, I mean, I, you know, there's um, obviously what, what, what people pay us to do is to analyze what's going on with your teams. I mean, there's a multiple things that they ask us to do, but in terms of the game in, game out stuff, what's going on with these teams? What is the key? What what could they do to fix it? What's going right? What's going wrong? And honestly, with this one, like it, at this point, it I, I almost feel, I mean, please, I hope nobody uh, who employs me is listening, but I almost feel like <clears throat> like I'm taking their money because it's the same thing every night. Like I mean, it isn't that complicated. John Wall plays well, they compete. John Wall doesn't play well, they wobble or just, you know, or, 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 or that may be a kind word for, 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 for what happens. And, you know, the, the, they haven't defended the three well all year. They haven't particularly shot the three all year. It is kind of like, it is kind of a wash, rinse, repeat situation. And it, the thing about it is, look, they, they have limitations, right? Dwight Howard's been out all year. So look, God bless Thomas Bryant, who had a really good start today and, uh, you know, all that. But like, you know, he's, he, he shouldn't be starting at this point of his, of his career, and uh, you know, Otto Porter's currently hurt. Uh, you know, all, all the, the the slow start probably on some level led them to make the trade that they just made for Trevor Ariza, so on and so on. If they just played with more energy, I, I'm not forget any other X's and O's strategy or anything. Just that, I'm not saying they're winning a title. I'm not saying they're eight games over 500. It would just look better, and we could then get to the more basic stuff or the, the more, some other things like. Certain lineup combinations, or, or or maybe hey, let's look at this ATO, you know, ATO player, whatever it is. But like, we can't even do that because just the basics, just try. Like, I mean, I don't want to, you know, it's just frustrating, especially like we just saw two nights ago or Sunday, whenever that was. Uh, you saw what it looked like. Whatever the Lakers were up to, the Wizards kicked their butt, and there, and and it just you don't see it consistently. Uh, uh, enough, and and I will just say this again, not to keep harshing on Wall, but like the game last night against uh, Atlanta, you know the the on court off court numbers. I think I, I think you I think I showed them to you at some point, or you probably saw them yourself. But you know it it, it was just so apparent. Bradley Beal played well that night. Jeff Green, Trevor Reza had a good game, but when John, but John Wall's off court numbers were just staggeringly bad relative to the other guys on his team. He has, now that Kelly Oubre has been traded, he has the worst off-court numbers on the team, meaning that the team is playing better when he's off the court. That that can't happen. And I just don't know what to say. I mean, if he's hurt, then rest, right? The, the, they've used, I, mean, he, I think he is not 100%, but like then rest if that's the case because the team has played well at times when he hasn't been on the court. But if he's play, if, he, if, we're not, if injury is not a thing, you just got to go because once he goes, they go, and it's just... I don't know, man. I, 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 you know, 
wish I had more insight to say, well, if they just ran this play or did that or whatever, and this one stat's all that matters, it, it, it just feels like it's just straight out effort, and, you know, they just not, don't consistently have enough. Yeah, walls on off numbers have been unfriendly all year. But I'm going to give another on-off number in one sec uh, once these numbers load because someone mentioned this to me on Twitter and actually made a request on Twitter, and I'm sorry that I didn't write down your name and you're a little buried in my mentions right now. Uh, whoever you asked this, I think the guy's name might have been John. We're going to call him John just for the case. He asked if we could talk about Marquise Morris's defense a little bit, and I thought that was a fair request because I haven't really talked about that as much as I probably should have on this podcast, and it, it hasn't been good. He's just been getting killed in pick and rolls, and he's one of the reasons why they gave up so much tonight. So Marquise Morris, all right, uh, want to play a guessing game? Sure. I will tell you, so the Wizards, what do you think – I'm just going to ask you to, uh, to guess the difference. How much worse are the Wizards on defense, just on defense, when Markeith Morris is on the floor? How many points per 100 possessions? Uh, well, ironically, <laughs> ironically, we may have both had the same idea, and so this will be something of a cheat, I guess. Although, I don't, do, you, do you use NBA.com or, or basketball? Yeah, I use NBA.com. Yeah, so I actually looked this up in a slightly probably different context than you did, but basically – I think they're average, They're giving up like 115 a game. Yeah, so they're giving up 115.5 points per 100 possessions with Barkeith Morris on the court, which is horrible. Like that well, would be well, – no, Well, I when I looked it up, and this is maybe ties to what you're saying, so I looked it up. I looked at how many players in the league that are averaging at least 25 minutes a game. I looked it up that way. Uh, and I think it was like 25 minutes a game, and like if they played at least 25 games just to eliminate the – the, the, the randoms of 134 players to meet the criteria. His his uh, defensive rating is 132nd. Uh, Makes sense. So 115 and a half points per 100 possessions allowed. For context, the Cleveland Cavaliers defense is like horrendous, right? Like it's historically horrific in a league where offense is up, right? It's the worst in years in the NBA. They're giving up 114.6. So we're talking about basically a whole point worse than the Cavaliers. Now, the Wizards aren't that much better than the Cavs. They're allowing 112.9. But when Morris is off the floor, they're eight points per 100 possessions better on defense. They're allowing 107.5. For context, 107.5 would be in line. That's exactly the Detroit Pistons' defensive efficiency. The Pistons are 12th in the NBA. So they go from worse worse than the Cavaliers to slightly above average when Morris is on versus when Morris is off. And, uh, you know, honestly, he's played in so many different lineups because he's he was a starter for half the season. He came off the bench for half the season. The bench lineups aren't that convoluted with this. Like, I, I don't know if there's that much noise in those numbers, to be honest. I kind of just think that's what the defense is with Morris on the floor. And uh, it's it's not good. It's, 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 it, they struggle with pick and rolls. He struggles with help defense. Guys get to the rim more. Uh, it's just it's 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 a big problem for them, and and to to, to this end, I mean, this is uh, uh, the the Ron Baker of it all, who the Wizards. Oh yeah, are. Ron Baker. They signed Ron <laughs> Baker. Yeah, they signed they signed Ron Baker, and you know, obviously the the, the guy. You know, we'll, we'll see if Ron Baker's ever involved, just like he replaced a Carl White, who was never a factor in the in the time he was here, and so on. But what I find interesting about that is. 
So the Wizards lose a guard on Austin Rivers. They've now added two in Chase and Randall and Ron Baker. Part of me is like, hey, what about Troy Brown? But, okay, let's put that aside. To me, I, and, look, I didn't scour the the, the, the free agent market, but, like, I I look at, like, I don't know how Ron Baker is necessarily getting in, getting in too much unless you just flat out don't think Troy Brown has any prayer. But, okay, <clears throat> you already have Chase and Randall who looked pretty good the other night. But to me – is there a is there a four five forward out there who's interesting? Because if there is, that guy might be able to play for me. Because even though you have Jeff Green, <coughs> excuse me, you have Jeff Green with Marquise Morris, you could use somebody else in that spot. You traded away Jason Smith. I don't think Jan Mahimi, he's out of the rotation. And no offense to Jan, but he probably should be on most nights. Thomas Brown, like we just said, is a young guy. There's a spot where I can see a guy coming in and playing that role because when you look, you said you look at Marquise defensively at times, it's tough to take. I think Jeff Green's largely been consistent this year, which is kind of funny because that's that's the, been the knock on him most of his career. But to me, that's a spot where a guy could actually come in and maybe get some minutes, and yet they just added two guards instead, even with Troy Brown sitting there. So, yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe they don't view it the same way. And obviously, a guy on the street, I'm not saying would be better than Marquise Morris in total. Offensively, Marquise has obviously been pretty good. Uh, coming off the bench. But, yeah, I would just like to see something else. That's why I kind of thought a Carl White might be, a guy who gives you energy. Maybe you throw him out there. They never bothered to do that, and that's fine. But, uh, yeah, to me, that's – that. It, you know, we, we talked about John, but, like, the, 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 yeah, Marquise, it's just been tough to take. And, you know, again, with Thomas Bryant being inexperienced, it just feels like there's some opportunity there for somebody to play. They just don't have big man options right now. So there's this thing that Morris does where he doesn't quite switch, he doesn't quite drop back, and he doesn't quite show. And then he ends up, when he's guarding the back ends of pick and rolls, he ends up having dribblers drive by him. This happened a lot in the Hawks game last night. So, like, Morris doesn't quite come up high enough to cut off an angle. He doesn't quite drop back low enough to where he's kind of a presence waiting for somebody at the basket. And there's no switch or anything like that. And so Morris is just kind of like there, lingering around in no man's land, and ball handlers turn the corner on him a lot. And they don't really have a point of contact to stop the ball, especially when Wall is guarding the front ends of pick and rolls. And if you're going against a quick guy, and even if you have a very good defender guarding the front end of the pick and roll, that guy gets screened, and it's Morris's responsibility Either they have to do an emergency switch or it's his responsibility to have to deter a dribbler or something like that. He's just not picking that guy up. And that's happening time and time again. We're seeing that happen happen over and over again. Um, I actually didn't think his defense was like the number one problem tonight because I didn't think Houston ran that many pick and rolls. And that's when he tends to get beat because they don't really they don't switch with him. Uh, but it's a you know it's it's an issue for them on the whole and on the season and the uh, the numbers reflect that. Right. I mean, I think at this point, at least for me and probably for you, like everything I'm saying is almost not about this game in particular because it is just like I said a wash, rinse, repeat situation. And uh, you know, look, I mean, uh, you know, you, you're doing these podcasts now consistently, and uh, you know, I've been in that spot before, and and there are times. When you're like, oh, man, what am I going to talk about today? Because you don't want to keep repeating yourself to some degree. And obviously each game presents different uh, storylines. But it is like uh, just over and over again. It's just like I, I, you run out of things to say on some level to, to write about it. Because, I mean, at least in terms of the game itself. Because you're like, well, I, 
Like I mean, like I said, I don't. There's nothing I can point to. There's no lineup I can. There's no lineup change I could say to do anymore. They've they've done some of that. They've now made some trades. You ju- you, you just have to try. And uh, you know, again, I, I don't want to besmirch all of them, and and because I don't think it's all of them, and I don't think even the guys who are more criticizing, I think they're trying again with the air quotes. I, I just like like there's a video out there tonight that's been making the rounds. I think since, since you and I started this. Where the 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 the, head, the headline is when your controller dies in the middle of a play, and it just shows John on offense standing above the three point line, literally not moving as the ball is on the other side of the court, and that's one play out of you know a hundred in a game. It's not necessarily indicative of of how he played because he put up good numbers, but at the same point, even one time you're like, what is what is going on here? Uh, uh, it's just so weird. Yeah, the whole thing. Is weird. Let, let's talk about positive stuff for a sec. Let's do it. Because, I don't know. I'm, I'm a pretty positive person. You're a pretty positive person. Let's talk about positive stuff. I... Trevor Ariza wasn't bad tonight. He guarded James Harden. James Harden is ridiculous. Trevor Ariza was, he got into some passing lanes. Um, they're finding him for volume three-point shots. And honestly, they need a dude who's going to take a ton of corner threes and catch-and-shoot threes. And he hasn't really made them. He was 4 for 11 the other night, and uh, he was 1 for 8 tonight, so what is he? So he's 5 of 19. He hasn't really made them. He will. Like, he'll make them at a 35-plus percent clip if these are the looks that he's getting. And if you have a dude making, like, 37% of his threes, 36% of his threes, and he's taking this many, and they're good catch-and-shoot looks, that's going to be good for their offense. So... Trevor Ariza, and, and keep in mind, this is the first two games. He'll get more comfortable. They'll get more comfortable with him. This, I actually think this seems like something that could work. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, no. I mean, I mean, you know, stri- stripping aside the particular aspects of the trade, just in terms of the getting Trevor Ariza uh, to some degree, moving off of the pieces, that they, the two guys that they let go, um, and getting him, it, 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 I like that aspect of it. Uh, because of the three and D aspects of him, that he sort of brings a calmness to the situation, the leadership, and yeah, we're seeing on the court uh, what he can do. I mean, he had more steals in the in the game against Atlanta. He had like six, I think. He had more steals that game. He had double the steals that game that Austin Rivers had in the previous nine. Not that steals in and of itself is a oh, it could be a misleading um, statistic, but you know it shows a certain amount of activity. And like you said, they're getting him open for threes. He knows how to play. I mean, if you didn't know anything, if you just thought, oh, hey, Trevor Reza, he's on the Wizards, so okay, uh, you would know it's only been 48 hours because he looks pretty smooth out there. I'm sure there's some things that uh, you know he would say that they, they don't. He, he's not quite uh, flowing with them yet, but it looks pretty good because he knows how to play basketball. And I think we saw sort of saw the same thing with Sam Decker coming in. You didn't see a, a massive. Like oh that's the obvious guy who hasn't been here because you know they just he know they know how to play basketball and they're and they're getting it done yeah so I I think the Trevor Ariza the Ariza part looks right and we should mention again no Otto Porter tonight so we haven't even seen uh, you know the, them at full strength uh, in any way shape or form in the last few games because Otto hasn't been there once we get Otto with Trevor Ariza on the court you know that really makes an interesting uh, pairing two guys that can spread the court you know guard. Uh, guard on the perimeter, you know, ha- how that could work. So, yeah, so far the Trevor Reza thing looks good to make it so far. It's been, you know, 10 seconds. But, yeah, he looks good. And, and uh, again, we can debate the trade, but in terms of adding him, uh, yeah, I think that, that made sense and it's looked good so far. Yeah, when Porter's not there, the lack of depth is just so apparent. 
Like, yeah. you look at this game. Sears, not – I'm asking you this, not who is their third best player tonight. In general, if this is their roster, no auto, who are their third and fourth best players? Is their fourth best player Jeff Green? I mean, it, it, it might be like I, but, but before they made the trade and they were starting Sadoransky and you had Sadoransky, Jeff Green, and Thomas Bryant in the starting lineup. Like in the, when the season started, you know, that's th- that's three bench guys with Thomas Bryant not even in the rotation, and that's and those guys are starting. Um, yeah, Jeff Green. I, th- I mean, Jeff Green has been uh, – yeah, he, he might Jeff be the Green's fourth Jeff Green's been really player. good for them. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. He might be the, good. Well, and don't you think it's interesting on some level, like Markeith has fit in nicely off the bench, but don't you think it's kind of like you would think on some logic level, why would you just start Markeith again with all these changes, with, with, with these guys out? I think it's because on some level, Jeff Green, at, especially at the start of games, gives you the best chance to have some kind of consistency. And, you know, fine, let Markeith just keep doing what he's doing off the bench, which has been largely working. But I think Jeff Green is bringing a little more consistency to, to the situation. And look, he's limited in certain ways. Typically not a great three-point shooter, though his numbers have been pretty decent for the most part this year. Not a you know a crazy rebounder, but he'll try. He's athletic. Uh but you know he's been he has been consistent this year and um yeah, I think that's about a, that, that 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 that's worthy of getting uh, minutes. Jeff Green's been really good this year. I mean, Jeff Green's been better than Marky Morris this year. So Jeff Green right now is 50 from the field, 37 from 3. 89 from the line. His true shooting percentage is 62%. His effective career high by far. His effective field goal percentage is 58%. Career high by far. Both those numbers are not just good. They're excellent, by the way. Um, He's keeping the usage down at a totally reasonable number at 16%. He's taking good shots. His threes are spot up, catch and shoots a lot from the corners, and he's making them. He's hitting 37% on over three attempts a game. Like It's not like he's not taking threes. He's been good, and he's been consistently just at that. I, mean, I know it goes against the Jeff Green narrative, but he's been consistently at that 10 to 16 point marker, and he's taking the right shots, and he's around the rim, and every once in a while he'll put up a mid-range, but it's like only when he's like really hot or kind of on a catch-and-shoot or something like that, and he just happens to be there. Like He's in spacing of the right spots. He's He's cutting, he's running pick and rolls with wall that seem to work well and end up in lobs. It seems like a decent amount of time. Like he's he's averaging like 15, 16 points for 36. Jeff Green has has been good. Uh, but the problem is if Jeff Green is, God, God, he might be their third best player when Otto's hurt. He really might. It's either him yeah. or Ariza. Yeah. And, no, I, and when, that's, when that's the case, you're in trouble. Uh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, on this road trip, you, you, you know, you, you saw Dwight Howard yesterday in Atlanta or Tuesday in Atlanta. And, you know, I mean, you know, the Dwight Howard, uh, you know, it's, it's almost crazy. He's such a, I don't say afterthought, but it's, you know, so much has happened you know, just since he's been out. Uh, but look, I mean, you take him off the court and they just don't have anything, you know, even close to being what he can do from a production standpoint. And then you have Otto Porter injured. And then, like I said, the starters beyond or the other, you know, some of the other key players are not, you know, always at full max. And like this team is a definitely a deeper team than they were a year ago, and yet it doesn't feel like it at times. Again, partly because of the Howard injury, and also just part because, uh, you know, some some guys are just not giving. You just don't see enough. 
from them uh, c- consistently. You're right. So, yeah, this is Jeff Green. Um, uh, I, I can't say, like, he would be the MVP of the team because, obviously, you know, Bradley Beal is you know, the best player at this point, or at least he has been this season, I would say. But, like, on a pound-for-pound basis, I kind of feel like, you know, when you factor in the role and maybe salary, things like that, Jeff Green has pound-for-pound been the best guy, I would say. Yeah. Um, all right. I think we're good. I don't think we need to depress the fans anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I hear, man. Always appreciate you having me on. Uh, I don't know what my record is uh, w- w- coming onto the podcast, what, what the Wizards' record is. It, it can't be good, but I guess that would be the case for almost any of the guests. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. It's uh, it, it's it's fascinating. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to say. Other than that, I appreciate you having me on. Good to have a have a safe flight back. And uh, oh, Kelly Oubre is in town on Saturday. On Saturday, we'll see if he's blowing kisses to the uh, to the crowd like he did tonight in Boston. Yeah, hit a dagger three tonight in Boston. And you know what, man, the Wizards better not go into that Suns game thinking they they have that thing locked up because oh no, I mean Bradley Beal said after the Atlanta game that they went into it thinking that they were going to win that game. I think he said he think that he thought that they were or they thought it was going to be easy. And the Suns have the worst record in the Western Conference right now by far, but Phoenix has won four games in a row. They've won four straight. They're playing better. Um you know what? They have a better record than Atlanta does right now. So I I'll I'll leave out. you I'll leave you with this with this last question. Without knowing what it's going to be, but you know it's going to be something. How much money would I have to give you to wear whatever outfit Kelly Oubre wears coming back to to DC into that arena where he's been, where he just got traded out of? How much money would I have to give you to wear that out publicly, no matter what it is? Um, I don't have very much shame. Do I have to purchase the outfit, or is it being uh, supplied to me? Yeah, we'll say it's applied to you. I can't, I can't, because I, mean, I can't even imagine how much. I mean, who knows what it would cost? But I, I'm assuming Kelly's gone gone shopping. Yeah, like, so, so I'm, uh, and I'm assuming it like fits me the same way, which is very flattering for him and very unflattering for me. Yeah, I won't make you wear his exact clothes. It's a proportion to your right. to your size and measurements. So yeah. let's. Uh, I mean, I'd look like a fool, but I I would do it. I would do it for like a hundred bucks. All right. That'd be fine. I don't really have any shame. So you give me a hundred bucks and you supply me with the clothes, I'd get it done. I always wondered when I was covering Westbrook. Unfortunately, this would be too unprofessional to actually do. But I always wonder when I was covering Westbrook if I just showed up and like you know he's got these like iconic fashion outfits. If I just showed up wearing the one with like you know like there's a hole cut out in the shirt and his pecs are hanging out from the top. Like, I just wonder if I just showed up wearing that exact outfit and just showed up to a scrum like there was nothing weird going on and just started asking him questions, how he'd react. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be quite that would be quite a scene for sure. I'm sure it would be great with him. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, appreciate it, man. Uh, uh, tell the listeners tell the listeners where uh, they can find you before we sign off. Sure. Uh, at Ben Standig on Twitter. NBCSportsWashington.com on the Wizards page. Also do some Redskins if you're in to that. And, uh, you know, at a, uh, at a watering hole near you after games. Cool. And Ben does great work on the beat. Uh, I will have a story up. It's not up right now is the time of recording, but I'm going to write and then I'm going to post this. So it'll probably be up. 
about in conjunction with the podcast, maybe a little bit after or something like that. Um, Wizards, two days off. They're off Thursday. They're not practicing on Thursday following a back-to-back. They're not coached by Jim Boylan. They will practice on Friday, and then they've got Phoenix on uh, Saturday, another back-to-back. Phoenix Saturday, and then at Indianapolis, at Indiana on Sunday. I'll be at that game, and I'll be podcasting after the Phoenix game with a guest. You can subscribe to Wizards After Dark. You can give us five stars on iTunes. You can leave a super nice, really friendly, really enthusiastic review uh, some of the reviews on there are cool. So one of them made me laugh recently. It was really funny. So, uh, yeah, if you guys want to leave reviews that those do more than just make me laugh or make me happy, they actually help a lot with the with the show and that kind of stuff. So if you've appreciated the show so far, it's always appreciated if you want to leave that stuff there too. I'll be back on Saturday after the Phoenix game. I'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>